Welcome to Pullback. I'm Kyla and I'm here with Kristen. Hey! Each episode, we challenge ourselves to try something new in ethical consumption. Then we tell you what we learned, fuck-ups and all. This episode is hopefully a little bit more lighthearted than our last few episodes. Uh, we're going to be talking about cannabis and we're recording this on 4 2020. So fist bump. Yes. <laughs> but only because we absolutely like dropped the ball and didn't even think to record this sooner and actually release it on 4 2020. But I think recording it on 420 is more fun. <laughs> anyway. I think I think we realized that 420 was a thing on 419, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, but I mean, to be fair, we are still in the middle of the pandemic and time has sure. no meaning. It could be, it could be like, I don't know, January right now. I don't know what, like. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> Sorry, my dry mouth is kicking in already. <laughs> yeah. I may have to refill my water at some point. <laughs> So yeah, maybe we should just start with that. Uh, we had some edibles before this episode. Uh, I don't know. I think mine is starting to kick in right now. Like, got that dry mouth going. How how are you feeling? I feel very chill right now, so. Oh, good. <laughs> I think it's like phase one of like three phases for me when I have edibles. Uh, phase two is <laughs> I think everything's funny. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, you sent me a you sent me like a link of just a whole bunch of pictures of dogs stuck in places. <laughs> like dogs stuck on like half their legs are like on the other side of a bush or something. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, I think that is objectively funny, but I found it disproportionately funny. <laughs> What's the third phase for you? I just get sleepy and or hungry. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever been too high? Like, what's the highest you've ever been? Oh, it was definitely recently. It was like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very strong memory. This is the one time I've ever been anxious off of weed. I think it was like January or maybe December. And uh, I had been gifted for like the holiday season, this package of edibles. And I was like, not sure because it was a package with like four little square shaped hard candies in it. And I was like, okay, so the regulations, I think, say something about how you have to have, like, single dosage in a package, but there's also four of these, so, like, is it one dose or four? Um, <laughs> and I, like, I reasoned that it must all be the same, took all four. <laughs> <laughs> the highest I've been in my entire life. Um, <laughs> at a certain point in the middle of the night, it all hit me, and uh, I could just feel, like, like waves all over my body on like my legs and I was like hyperventilating oh it was a bad time but also kind of nice for some of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've experienced something similar to that I was in Amsterdam naturally mm, sure <laughs> I had no so I bought a space cake obviously it was the first time I'd ever had an edible and I was like well I'm in Amsterdam I've gotta but they told me to take like a quarter of it and I was like this thing looks huge so I took like <laughs> less than that and it was still way too much. I was in my hostel and yeah, the vibrations all over my body felt yeah. like my eyeballs were like vibrating. <laughs> I went and lied down for like 12 hours straight. And yeah, in the middle of the night, I was like, I can see time. Time and I, <laughs> one thing. <laughs> I, was, I didn't even realize that you could get like a hangover from weed. I just didn't think that was a thing. But like, <laughs> I was super tired and cranky the entire next day. 
Yeah, I feel like you probably were higher than even like my highest was probably nothing. To, like I four edibles at once, Kristen. Damn. I know it was such a. I I don't I don't know what past Kristen was thinking. Honestly. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, well, we are clearly getting there before we ramble the entire episode away. Do you have any fun research about cannabis? Hopefully all good news for once. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've got some research on cannabis. Uh, It was kind of interesting because although I have, like, consumed my share of cannabis, I am fairly, like, I am not the most knowledgeable person about all the different, like, varieties and, like, the different ways to consume cannabis. And also it's like such a changing space uh, that it's kind of hard to like, was kind of overwhelming. It's newly legal. So, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's super crazy how it went from being a totally illegal product to, well, I guess with like medical use allowed, but to being an essential service in Canada in like a year. Like what? what an underdog story. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic essentials, liquor and (laughs) weed. (laughs) You know what? I'm okay with our country's priorities. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what did you learn then? Um, Because you were kind of starting from square one. So a couple of things. Um, I thought that it would probably be useful to talk about how cannabis works and what it does briefly. Like, people probably will know most things, but hopefully they'll be able to fill in some gaps for some people. Uh, Certainly some of this stuff I didn't know. Uh, Then I thought we could talk about like legalization because it has really been sort of the important driving factor behind cannabis. Um, And then I'll talk a little bit about some ethical issues. Most of that information is um, about the environment because that seems to be what people have thought about the most with cannabis. But yeah, talk about a few things. Okay, great. Oh boy, I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, So how does cannabis work, just to start with? So essentially, humans and plants share similar chemical compounds that are called cannabinoids. Um, So in people, we call them endocannabinoids, but they're pretty similar to the the plant version. Um, And basically, we make our own endocannabinoids through our endocannabinoid system, Um, And uh, it's thought to basically control things to do with how we feel, how we move, and how we react. Wait, I've never heard of this before. Did you get this from Gwyneth Paltrow's website, or like? No, this is this is real. Yeah, it's 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 real. This is why you get high from pot. (laughs) Really? Okay. So I had no idea that we had an endo cannabinoid system. Sorry, my alarm is going off. Uh, (laughs) I've set a timer to. Uh, let us know when it was 420 where you are. <gasps> oh my god, you are so sweet. <laughs> it is 420. I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's a delight. Thank you. You are so considerate. <laughs> Except that I also interu- interrupted you in saying that. <laughs> so. That's okay. I was just struggling to say endocannabinoid, so I don't, I don't think it matters. <laughs> I know. I was watching a couple of videos um, on endocannabinoids, and I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. But sorry if I'm mispronouncing it the entire episode, people that know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell me more about that, because this is news to me. This sounds like pseudoscience, but I trust that you would have gotten it from a real source. So this is amazing. Well, I think it's like, it's just like any other system where you have 
chemicals that do things in your body, right? Like you have receptors, those receptors take in whatever, and then that's where my knowledge stops. It does things. (laughs) (laughs) She's waving her hands like, oh, it's magic. Okay, cool. Got it. Magic. Yeah. So that's why Uh, we get high because it like reacts with the uh, cannabinoids in the flower? Kind of, yeah. So um, essentially there, before I just talk about THC and CBD, um, so there are two kinds of cannabinoid receptors um, and depending on which receptors that can sort of influence what the cannabinoids do. There's a CB1 receptor, which is what it's located mostly in your central nervous system. So that connects to your brain. Uh, so that's sort of one type of effect. And then the second type is found primarily in the immune system. So it has sort of other effects if the receptors there are the ones you're dealing with. So anyway, basically what happens is you have the marijuana plant has hundreds of cannabinoids, but the two that are most well known, well known are, um, THC or tetrahydrocannabinol. That sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) THC. Um, and then, uh, Cannabidiol or cannabidiol, I don't know, Uh, (laughs) CBD. (laughs) CBD and THC, that's all we need to know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, because we have receptors in different places and every single person has, like, their receptors might be in slightly different places from one another and you also might have more or fewer of these receptors. So our reactions to THC and CBD aren't always the same. Uh, And that's partially because of those receptors where they are, how many of them you have. And it's partially also things like, how did you consume it? How often do you use cannabis? Um, There are genetic impacts. Um, How old are you? What's your, like, what's your sexuality or your sex, not sexuality? It probably doesn't matter. Uh, (laughs) Can't see how that would influence THC at all. Um, But yeah, uh, personality, mood, and mental health conditions. But the two well-known effects are THC produces the high that's associated with cannabis. And then CBD doesn't generally produce a high, um, but it's associated with things like pain relief, anxiety reduction, and a few other health benefits. Um, So what I have understood from CBD research is that there is almost none of it. And a lot of the effects of CBD are like anecdotal. And not a lot of them have been proven. So when somebody's like, oh, do you want to get something with more CBD in it? I'm like, well, that might be fairy dust. So give me all the THC you got because I'm paying to get high. <laughs> I, I actually really, I like a more sort of balanced one with um, some CBD in it because I find it chills me out a little bit. Um, I'm fairly high strung, I think. Oh, so. yeah. Same. Maybe I, should, maybe I should lean more into the CBD variety. Yeah, have some, have more of the fairy dust. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. They, there's like, there are a lot of rumors out there about what CBD can do. Um, and I mean, one of the things is pe- some people think it might have an effect um, with cancer, but like that's not at all proven yet. Maybe in 20 years we'll, we'll know there's some effect, but maybe there won't be. Whereas like uh, there is, there does seem to be a little bit more information about the pain relief and the anxiety aspects, but who knows. In general, um, the effects of cannabis are temporary, um, and they include those those sort of fun things that you like, as well as they, they mellow you out a little bit. Um, but there are also some unpleasant effects uh, that are generally temporary that can be a result from having too much cannabis. Uh, so that includes an inability to concentrate. We may have seen that represented already in this episode. Uh, <laughs> 
memory problems, anxiety, panic, or paranoia, disorganized thoughts, dizziness or hallucinations, reduced reaction time and sleepiness. I just want to make sure we're giving like a balanced and scientific perspective on weed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the thing, one of the, the ethical issues that I'm sure you'll bring up later with weed is that like... All of the hippy-dippy stuff that ties it to, well, you kind of already talked about it, all of these effects like, hey, maybe it cures cancer. And it's like, that is not a thing. So stop advertising <laughs> it like it is, you know? <laughs> like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's hard to de-goop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, and it does have some negative, effect, uh, negative effects and some people have a better time on it than others. It's the same with anything. Yeah, and um, if you're sort of newer to cam cannabis or are thinking about trying it and are in a place where it's legal, because I guess we really shouldn't be condoning illegal things. Um, even <laughs> if I personally think marijuana should be legal everywhere. Um, <laughs> but if you want to avoid the unpleasant effects of cannabis, uh, one sort of suggestion is to consume cannabis with a low THC content and to consume a small amount over a period of time to increase that consumption either the next time or, you know, whatever, based on how you react. Uh, don't do what I did and eat don't, don't have four hits at once. Yeah, I was <laughs> Don't have four hits that. at once, yeah. <laughs> if you're not sure, be cautious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can also find uh, tips for responsible use on government websites, health um, organizations. So check those out too if you're concerned. There aren't a lot of long-term effects that they have associated with marijuana, Um Partly because I don't think they've done enough research, but there are a few long-term effects that can develop um, if you use frequently. So they that would be like daily or near daily and for a long time, especially if you've started consuming cannabis in your youth, which is not legal, <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it messes with your brain. Um, so most of these are just, they're sort of small effects and you have to use a lot, but Harms to memory, concentration, and an ability to think and make decisions. So there can be some effect if you're a really, really heavy user, but sort of unknown. Uh, the only long-term health effect, so effect on the body rather than the brain, is uh, from smoke inhalation that they know of. So that's, got, that's not good, whether it's THC or nicotine or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Smoke's not being... Your lungs doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lungs don't like it. Um, yeah, and it's exactly the same as the tobacco effects, right? So bronchitis, lung infections, increased mucus buildup in the throat, gross shit like that. Um, but if you're not smoking it, yeah, it, so far they know of no long-term body effects. Uh, so just like a quick note on how cannabis production works. It's not a super complicated supply chain, but there are some steps. That's a relief for us. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, so step one is you have to grow the thing, so cultivation, you know. Then after that, a lot of times, unless you're just buying, like, cannabis flour, they need to extract the cannabis from, or they ex extract, like, the THC and the CBD and whatever else they want from the cannabis plant. And then they have to um, undergo testing because it's a regulated substance. And uh, then distribution and retail. So they have to get it out there and then people have to sell it. It's pretty simple. Kind of makes sense. But I think it's important to sort of note that 
With cannabis companies, I tried to look into the market a little bit, and it seems to be some some companies will sort of specialize in one stage of the production, but there are a few major cannabis companies that try to sort of be involved for multiple stages. Um, and so you'll often see like um, a cannabis company that does processing of different things, and then they also have like retail outlets. So they might sell their brand in a retail outlet. One of the the most interesting things about cannabis um, is how legalization is sort of unfolding around the world. And there are a few countries that have either legalized, partially legalized, or decriminalized marijuana. So a, it's pretty common actually for countries to have legalized for medical use that there's at least like 10 to 15 countries that have done that. Um, and then decriminalizing all or part of um, cannabis can also be, or cannabis use can also happen. It's fairly rare for countries to have legalized recreational use of marijuana. Uh, Uruguay is a country that did, and Canada is a country that did. Uh, and I think we are the only two at a state level, though at a federal level, though um, there are some subnational governments that have legalized recreational use. So there are a bunch of American states that have it. So yeah, in Canada, as we know, um, recreational pot became legal in October 2018. It was a very high Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't here. I actually, but you know, the first time I landed <laughs> back in Canada after being away for like four years, I met you in Newfoundland and it was like, it was like 2 a.m. And I was like, Kristen, you're like trying to sleep. Kristen, Kristen, can we go to a dispensary tomorrow? It's like the first thing I did when I landed in Canada. I was like, man, weed's been legal here for like a year and I haven't been able to go to a dispensary yet. And then we flew it home to Edmonton, or I did anyways. I was like, Kristen, am I allowed to take this on the airplane? And you were like, yeah, Kyla, it's legal. And I was like, I felt like like a criminal going through the, <laughs> the security bag line. You're just giving side eye to all the dogs in the airport. Like, hey. Don't know. <laughs> so um, I found a headline that just made me giggle. So I wanted to to talk about it. So there's a CBC News article that said Canada Canada's cannabis policy makes it an international rebel on drug trade. Like, <laughs> Canada rebels. I don't know. <laughs> if you think about international reputations of Canada, <laughs> no, not rebels. Drug rebel. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> <laughs> so tourism's not working right now, but when it was a couple months ago, I used to take tour buses across the border into Seattle. And uh, what we would tell people is border agents, when you're going into the United States, they're worried that you're trying to smuggle in weed. When you're coming back from the United States, they're worried that you're trying to smuggle in guns. And I'm like, I know what side of the border I'd rather live on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so... It's it's been really interesting though to be watching something become legal and what that that looks like and all the things that are sort of unexpected that change when that happens. So in late 2018, so like the very early stages of marijuana legalization, there were about 130 licensed producers. I don't have a current stat for how many there are now, but there must be many more because I mean Ontario rolled Ontario had problems in its rollout of weed. It was originally going to use like um, the liquor outlet as the distributor, and then 
they decided they weren't going to do that and instead they were going to privatize, but by then they didn't really have licenses. So there were only like 25 um, pot stores in all of Ontario, which is Canada's biggest province. It has like more than a third of the country's population. And uh, (laughs) there were 25 places you could buy weed, like brick and mortar shops, um, compared to... Alberta is a good comparison for that. Is that where you were going to go? Yeah, Alberta. It had um, more than 300 after, in, like, in the same period, so... Yeah, they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you elect Social Democrats, Kyla. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, you've got this sort of interesting thing where all of the different provinces have slightly different um, systems, but the regulation is happening also at the federal level, so... They oversee production and processing, and then the provinces are sort of dealing with how distribution, wholesaling, and retailing works. So like at the the end of the process, they're involved. So yeah, um, as of February 2020, so just a couple of months ago, the Canadian cannabis industry, both legal and illegal, is about $8 billion. So Whoa. a lot of people buying pot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I remember there was an issue um, when pot was first legalized, like a bunch of my friends bought pot stocks, and then they were not worth anything, like the stocks went way down, but I don't know why, And it's but it sounds like the industry's worth something now. I have no idea. Well, the industry's like, so I think it suffered right at the beginning because of those rollout problems. Some provinces were really good, but some were really bad. And I think then it started to expand, but there are two things. One is that um, it hasn't, so it was sort of, pot was like a, a bubble a little bit. It was overvalued. And so even though, yeah, definitely people are buying lots of legal weed, they're not buying maybe as many as was predicted, and it's not growing as fast as was predicted because there was some sort of idea that legalization in Canada, given some of the other movements that have happened, might sort of create a tipping point, and you'd suddenly see weed legalization in a bunch more places. Oh. Yeah. It doesn't seem to have happened. Um, certainly, like, you know, there are a few more, but... Eh. No, but that's not, a, that's, not an, that's not an unreasonable assumption to make. Like, hey, Canada's cool. If Canada's doing it, then it must be all right. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, maybe in like the longer term that'll happen. Probably. I I can only imagine, given that pot really shouldn't be illegal for any reason. It's a pretty harmless substance, really. Like, it's personally, I mean, this is very much an opinion, but um, it makes me feel a lot less sick than alcohol. I'm way less likely to take too much as opposed to alcohol. Um, I'm le- like, not me personally, but most people, again, maybe anecdotally, are less likely to start fist fights in bars over a joint. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. I don't know if you did any alcohol weed comparisons for this. No, I didn't. But you and I met, well, we didn't meet through debate, but we both did debate. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a rule that we kind of used to have in debate where it was okay It was considered to be a fair case as long as you were arguing against something that is the status quo, so the way the world is right now. And the one exception to that rule was legalizing pot was not considered to be a fair case because there was no argument (laughs) against it. (laughs) So I think that says a lot. So we were talking about um, the, the factors behind like why... Maybe there was a bubble in cannabis, and yeah, one of it, one of them is that demand isn't rising maybe as quickly as people had thought. 
um, and it was overvalued. And this, the second one is that there genuinely have been some problems in getting the legalized market up and running. Um, so a lot of the weed that Canadians are consuming is still illegal um, from illegal sources, about uh, close to 40%, so just under 40% of adult cannabis users reported having obtained cannabis from the black market in the last year. Um, and so I think that was done in February 2020 as well. So, you know, it could have been relatively close to legalization when that started. Um, Ontario was still certainly having lots of problems during that year. So um, it may be that this year things start to to move upward, but at, as it stands, like almost not that not that far from half of Canadians are still consuming illegal weed rather than legal only. So, well, I mean, if your neighbor had to grow up from before and you're still getting it from you know them, then why would why change? Especially if there's no dispensary near you. But if you're buying it from a stranger, then I'm like, oh, what's in this? <laughs> I'd rather go to the government shop. Thank you very much. Exactly. Yeah, so the main sources are that people are getting legal cannabis is through retailers. Um, and then online is the next most common. And then after that, people still get weed from medical providers, and they also sometimes grow their own, but only about 6% of users do that. And I think some of that is because if you are a renter, usually you're not allowed to grow weed. I mean, it's a, smell it's a smelly plant. I think yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when it comes to like where people are getting their illegal weed from, uh, the first source is friends, actually. So yeah, you know, if you're getting, if you're getting source from, yeah, your friend down the street that happens to grow a few plants, then you may have no reason to switch to legal weed. Um, and we can talk about the ethics of that a little later, but the other ones are private dispensaries. So some of the private dispensaries that are still in operation, even though they're not licensed, um, online and then, um, family, those are the next largest sources. So uh, actually on family, I'll maybe tell a, a story of, it's my favorite story I've ever been told by anyone. So. Okay, great. Oh, wow. <laughs> I might've oversold it a bit, but I really enjoy it. So <laughs> I have a friend who her, her family on, I think her mother's side, but I might be wrong is Mormon. And so her immediate family is the first part of that family that has left the Mormon church and all their other relatives on that side are Mormon. And uh, Mormon grandma has a long-term health condition for which it's been suggested that CBD could sort of maybe improve things. So the family decides, yeah, we're going to get some pot for grandma. Uh, <laughs> And uh, of course, they turn to my friend because she's like the most badass of <laughs> the entire extended family. Like, she's the one that's most likely to have networks to uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to the seedy parts of society. And it's it's just funny because um, if you talk to this friend of mine, uh, she is very much not like that. She's a very sweet person. So only <laughs> the Mormon side of her family could have possibly thought that. But anyway, she does... Uh, she does find uh, somebody that she knows that can give her, uh, get her some pot. Uh, and then she gives it to her mom and her mom decides that she's going to take the pot with grandma. That that's, that's going to be the thing they do together, I think, to make grandma less nervous about it. Aww. Yeah. 
Uh, but they both ingest way too much, and end up, uh, <laughs> Grandma ends up greened out to the point that she can't get out of the restaurant booth that they're in. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they went to a restaurant? Yeah. Rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, the Mormon Grandma story. <laughs> well, oh, but I mean, like, I, I, I shouldn't judge them too harshly. First of all, that's a great story. But when I took my first legal weed here in Canada, I was with you and I had some of that oil because you were like, oh, oil's a great way to have it. And I was like, I've never had it that way before. And then we went to a restaurant and I got soups high just in the middle of dinner. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you were so nervous about it and I don't think anybody noticed. I was like, Christian, people are going to know I'm high. And you're like, well... A, they won't if you cop- if you stop saying that. <laughs> and B, it's allowed now. And I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, one other reason that people are still sort of staying in the illegal market, in addition to the fact that oftentimes they can just go to their friends and get it, um, is that legal cannabis tends to be about 60% more expensive than illegal cannabis. And um, especially early in the rollout, there were supply issues um, during the initial period. And that meant that not only was weed more expensive through the legal options, but you could also maybe not get as good selection or... It wasn't fresh. Yeah, everyone was complaining. They're like, I just paid an extra 60% for this and it's not even fresh. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and also like... Um, I remember when weed was legalized in Ontario... Uh, <laughs> the government website crashed. Oh, yeah. Like, and it was just, yeah. So um, there were there were some problems, and a lot of them are getting solved over time, but weed is still more expensive than it is in the illegal market. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've, like, how many cannabis retail stores you've been in. For me, it's maybe, like, a handful, but they are fancy as fuck. They're so fancy. <laughs> That's why I think the frosted glass rule is stupid. So there's like part of the law for legalization is that they have to have frosted glass windows, I guess. Otherwise, children may see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll entice people in. And it's like, well, if liquor stores can have clear windows, I don't see the issue here. Also, they're so classy. Like defrosting the windows would just gentrify a neighborhood instantly overnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, there are some that have pretty cool themes, too. I'm just going to see if I can pull up some of the photos from... Oh, yeah. So there's... um. I, I was telling you about the fancy weed shop in Ottawa called Superette. Uh, and so their shops are designed to look like diners. Um, I don't know why, but it's kind of cool aesthetic. Uh, then there's... Chum has, like... It kind of looks like... Kind of looks like a greener version of an Apple store, basically. And there are, like, plants everywhere. Um, you also have some that, like, there's one that's designed to look like a record store. I can't remember which one that is. They're so classy. They're yeah. so classy. Yeah. And a lot of them have themes and, like, various things to build a, a user experience or whatever. So they, they know what part of the market they're in. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> but, yeah, depending on what province of Canada you're in, the way that we sell weed is different. In some provinces, you only have the government weed store, and they'll they'll sell like non-government brands. It's not like it's just you know government stamped <laughs> weed. I actually don't even think that governments produce at all, but I might be wrong on that. So, someone tweet at me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you might only have government retail stores, um, and in that case, it would be you know online and physical. 
and then there are some provinces where you have a mixture of the two. So you have some privately licensed stores, but there's also like a government weed seller. In some cases, it'll just be government online and then everywhere else is private. And then there's a couple of provinces that have everything privatized. So your online and your physical retail are both um, are both only by uh, businesses. And there is one uh, province or territory where you do there are no physical or provincially based online uh, weed stores. Can you guess where it might be? None of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, but poor none you of crushed it. it. I just feel so bad for them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I suspect it's just because the population's too small. That's why I went straight there. I was like, maybe where nobody lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether if you're like in none of it, like, can you buy online weed from like Northwest Territories or from Quebec? I mean, everyone in none of it must have their own grow up. So like, why bother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, the top five weed companies control about three quarters of the Canadian cannabis market. So I think actually my impression is that the weed industry right now, it looks a little bit like the the beer industry, if we're talking about on that the alcohol podcast that we did. So like there are a couple of really big pot companies, big relative to like Canada as a market. So globally, they probably wouldn't be monsters if um, cannabis was legal everywhere, but they're big in the industry as a whole because Canada's the sort of biggest market for it. Actually, I think California, California legalized, didn't they? They might still be because I think they're bigger than Canada. But point being, <laughs> it's a huge market. Yes. And so Canadian weed companies are generally pretty big. Yeah. And the, I one of the things I like about the weed industry so far is that because it's new and because it's not available in most other places in the world, most of the stuff we're getting is like local. Like the stuff I'm getting is like from BC and the stuff you're getting is like from a company based in Ontario that's possibly also growing it out there, you know? Yeah, I think they do grow it, um, but I'm not sure. So yeah, um, I guess maybe we could just chat a little bit about ethics and um, weed legality, illegality. Like I couldn't find really anything written on this and that didn't surprise me that much. So I guess we just have to go off of instinct here. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about if it should be legal or illegal? It's going to be a short conversation. No, no. But like, given that it's legal, um, is it wrong to buy illegal weed? I guess is the next question. Oh, um, I mean, if it's coming from cartels in Mexico, then yes. If it's coming from my grandma's attic, then I don't know. I don't, I guess, yeah. I, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I I don't know. Um, so I think there's like an interesting question you could have on whether there's any like independent moral harm to, harm to breaking a law. I don't know, maybe, um, but it's pretty abstract. So like assuming that we just put that aside, then yeah, the question is really like, even if your weed guy is nice, like where is he getting it from? And are there like nefarious criminal networks involved in that? Or is there more stuff cut in your weed that you don't know about? True, yeah. And then, like, yeah, if you're getting it from, like, a friend that charges you a few bucks because they're producing more weed than they consume from their household plants, like, I don't know. That's a victimless crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I yeah. guess if you're supporting a crime syndicate that is maybe – maybe they sell weed to you and maybe they turn and sell, like – something worse to someone else and it's just like a big business 
that yeah. seems like dodgier. Yeah, and the other thing is like workers' rights, right? Not which is not to say that you you can really know which weed companies are having the best standards. I didn't find anything that helpful on that, partly because there just aren't consumer guides really yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, with legal weed, at least you know that there were some labor laws applied to the workers, whereas like, and again, unless you've actually seen the operation and know the person that grew your weed, like you can't know that. So eh, probably on balance, it's the obvious conclusion that it's better to buy legal weed is... Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to parse that out, though. It's a good, like, uh, it's a good thought experiment. <laughs> Although not really... Yeah, I guess uh, smarter people than us have been having this same thought experiment for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah. The next section that I had, I called Environment, the Other Green Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have it. <laughs> yeah. So I looked at a couple of things. Water use is the first one. Unfortunately, not that much practical advice here. Hemp does use a lot of water to grow. So a single marijuana plant can consume up to six gallons of water per day. So it's thirsty. It's thirsty. Yeah. And actually like requires more water relative to like a lot of plant crops. So <laughs> you can find different operations though that have like a different water impact than one another so buying different brands in theory makes a big difference but I also wasn't able to find any sort of easy guides for what are the most sustainable pot farms and uh, which breeds buy from them maybe that exists and I missed it or maybe it it's coming um, eventually <laughs> And if you're growing cannabis at home, uh, there are some ways that you can do it with more water efficiency. Um, one suggestion is like, because apparently you need like a dehumidifier sometimes to make the air dry enough for the pot plant. So one suggestion is using the water from the dehumidifier to save on water use. So water, water use though, um, there can be some things that make it more or less water efficient, but hard to know as a consumer which you're consuming. But maybe try asking your pot company. So the other one is energy use. Growing weed can take a lot of energy. So for example, in Denver, Colorado, uh, cannabis accounts for nearly 4% of the city's entire energy use. Whoa, um, how did they get that number? <laughs> <laughs> that can't be, a, that cannot be an accurate statistic. Nobody would tell yeah. the truth. <laughs> Not, I definitely have the legal amount of, of plants in my building, officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must so it must actually be higher because I think they're just counting like industrial producers. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. I I forgot that yeah, legal you're talking about farms, not like home growers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'm talking about a farm because this is in Denver, but I don't know. Um I'm not sure if they counted home growers in this, but it's still pretty high. Four percent, that's not nothing. Four percent, yeah. So most of that is from growing cannabis. So that actually applied to the entire cannabis industry. There was like tiny, tiny slivers on the chart for like retail stores and packaging, but most of it is um, from growing. So one way to, again, you as a consumer won't know this, but one way to produce weed with more efficient energy use um, is to get weed that's grown in a greenhouse instead of a dark warehouse. Um, is Now that you don't need to hide it, you may as well put it in a greenhouse. <laughs> Use the natural light. 
So yeah, uh, the third environmental impact and the one that has been by far most talked about is packaging. I think this is true everywhere, but especially given the way that Canada has chosen to go with regulations. Um, so cannabis has to be sold in small quantities in childproof packaging, and it those requirements will often preclude the use of um, like recyclable materials. So it means that a lot of cannabis packaging ends up being single-use plastic that is not from not recyclable plastics. There's an estimate that about 10,000 tons of packaging was generated in the first year of weed legalization. Uh, so that is a lot. <laughs> oh no, how many baby elephants is that? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> uh, that's so yeah. much. 10,000 pounds? 10,000 tons. Oh no, that's right. Like elephants <laughs> and tons. That's why I think, because I'm like, how much is a ton? And it's like three baby elephants or something. I forget the ratio. <laughs> So the uh, Federal Cannabis Act requires that cannabis, uh, it has to be packaged in containers that are opaque or semi-transparent. Um, they have to be tamper evident. I guess that means that it would be obvious to you if someone had tampered with it, like the peanut butter seals. Um, and it has to be designed to prevent contamination and keep cannabis dry. So those requirements... They're all totally le like uh, reasonable, I think. Um, but it also means that it's been difficult to find biodegradable materials that meet that criteria. Um, and unfortunately, regulations also prohibit reuse and refill of cannabis packaging right now. So you, yeah, you can't, you couldn't right now have like a, a cannabis oil like container share program where you get a, a bottle and then you bring it in and it's cleaned and you get a, a filled one. Um, because basically the way the regulations work is there has to be like a sealed excise stamp um, from before it goes to the retailer. So for now, anyway, like you couldn't do a, a weed refill program. That's a shame. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be cool if it was like David's tea where you bring in your little tin and you're like, please fill it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so down with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I looked at my cannabis oil container and... Apparently, it can be recycled, but I also doubt the drop dropper can be. So in some cases, if you're getting something in a container, like look to see if it can be recycled. And then there's one brand, at least in Canada, there's one brand that has launched a recycling program, um, and it's Tweed. Ah, <laughs> so, I love Tweed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you're, if you're interested and you use Tweed weed, uh, then check out their recycling program through TerraCycle. Yeah, so it's not it's not like there isn't any attention to the issue of like single-use packaging in cannabis production. There are entire companies that are just set up around sustainable packaging. It's it's just that like it's a fairly new industry and the regulations um make it even more likely than for the normal business that you're going to default to single-use plastics. But the good thing about having a lot of hippies involved in cannabis startups is that hippies tend to care about the environment. So a lot of companies are focused on this issue. And the push is also coming from consumers who want it and have said they're willing to pay more for eco-friendly cannabis. So yeah, then the next question I asked myself is like, which consumption method is the most eco-friendly? And the answer that I found is well, it is definitely not disposable vapes. <laughs> that is not environmentally friendly. 
I can't tell you which one is best, but I can tell you which one is worst. <laughs> it's absolutely the worst. Um, one article that I read called it the K-Cups of Cannabis. Oh, God. Well, I mean, yeah, that's not... The, yeah? I didn't even know disposable va- disposable vapes were a thing until just now when you mentioned them. I was like, why would that be a thing? Just get a nice vape. Yeah, so just get a nice vape if you're going to vape. Um, and probably the most eco-friendly is... If you live in a place where you can easily grow your own sunlit marijuana. That's the ultimate farm to table. Yeah. <laughs> farm to table, like whittle a pipe out of wood. <laughs> um, but for for those of us that won't do that for multiple reasons, every method has its own benefits and drawbacks. So like, I think the way to think about this isn't like, which method is the most eco-friendly rather than like, how can I make whatever option I'm choosing as eco-friendly as possible? Uh, I did though try to look through the things you might want to think about with ethics and different consumption methods. So I'll start with flour, which might be the most, um, might be the most sort of environmental type of weed you can get because it's basically just the plant um, and actually, you can buy it in bulk on the Ontario government website. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> like how, wait, like how much bulk? Uh, I think the biggest I saw was 28 grams, so. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Just to give people a reference point, if you're smoking 10 grams a month, that's a bit of a heavy user. So 28 (laughs) grams, if you're a heavy user, should last you for three months. (laughs) It would last an average person like a year. (laughs) Yeah, um, I just, I think it's so funny that the Ontario government's like, ah, the Canadians, we got to sell them bulk stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We do like bulk stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the website also lets you pick from Ontario-based growers, which I think is nice. Yeah, BC does that too. So I, I like to get the BC stuff when I can. Yeah. And that's one way that you can kind of think about how do I reduce the transportation emissions effects? You know, if you're getting it from close by, you're having to travel less to get to you. So that's all I had for flowers. Uh, the next category I have are oils. Uh, so that includes like the oil droppers, which is what I like to use, um, as well as sprays and capsules. Um, I don't know if you've ever ingested weed through a capsule before. Um, I thought about it and then I saw the price and I was like, I'll just get a spray. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't get the appeal of those at all. (laughs) They're so much more expensive. I guess, I mean, weed tastes like shit. So, you know, I can see why people would want to use it as a capsule. You don't taste it. But like the spray I got in Newfoundland was peppermint flavored. It was delicious. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really like it when they flavor the sprays. Like that was delightful peppermint spray. But I just like the oil because I, I like to taste that I'm ingesting cannabis. <laughs> Kristen's like, I got to get my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Otherwise, they just give you coconut oil. You'd never know. <laughs> So yeah, um, whether you're getting an oil, a spray, or a capsule, though, capsules, um, for, they're just pills. I don't know why I didn't say that earlier, but in case somebody didn't know that, yeah, <laughs> they're just pills, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're all oil-based marijuana concentrates, and they're all ones that you ingest. So one thing to think about is you could um, try to look for the containers to be PET1 recyclable. 
That's the one that's most likely to actually be recycled by your recycling facility. That's one way you're probably necessarily going to be getting some pack, some plastic packaging if you're getting an oil, but you can at least make sure it's recyclable. Um, and you can also try to go with a brand that has a recycling program. And then tell your member of parliament uh, that you want to get high without wrecking the oceans. Uh, <laughs> <step> three. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you could also try to make cannabis oil from cannabis flour, if that's something that interests you. You know, you got... If you bought this 28 grams of weed and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to last the whole year. you got to turn them <laughs> into something else. When I was doing the, like, our challenge, I say in quotation marks. This was the most pleasant challenge I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I was, I actually researched how to turn, like, flour into, like, butter to cook with. And I was like, yikes, that's a lot of work. And it's going to make my house smell like weed for two days because you got to, like, bake it in the oven. So I just used my oil and I just like, did, I did not scientifically method that at all. I was like, I'm making six muffins, better put six hits in this and then a little extra for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I basically, I also concluded that oil seemed like a hassle and also you, you need to use a well-ventilated space, which suggests to me that contact high is a real risk. Um, <laughs> and also I like, I just... I know myself, and there's a reason I'm a better cooker than baker, and that reason is that I'm not precise. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Baking is like, yeah, potion making in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I just like, I, I don't know, I don't like the risk of making oil that's uneven or like that I don't know how strong it is, um, and then, I don't know. Yeah. For, for mine, I just took some, I took one dose of... Uh, well, I took one and a half today of um, what I would normally ingest and put it on, I put it on pizza dough before I cooked the pizza in the oven. And uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I just mixed mine into my batter. I made lemon poppy seed uh, muffins. I finally made muffins. Actually, I've been making muffins you made this muffins. whole pandemic. Yeah. My muffin tin has been getting so much use. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds weirdly dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what's the next research thing? Moving on. <laughs> yeah, so um, there are also other kinds of extracts. I'm not going to talk too much about them, mostly because I could barely grasp what they were. Um, so first, hash is a pressed concentration of the marijuana plant's sticky glands. It can be vaped or smoked. So basically just as like a a processed version of... I I, I don't know. It's like kind of a like a more pressed texture, hard to describe. And then uh, keef, I think I might be saying that right, is yeah, another right. option. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so do you know what keef is? Yeah. Um, well, not really. I know that when I grind my flour, uh, I my, my grinder has a keef catcher. So like anything smaller than um, like a tiny little microscopic piece uh, will, will stay above and anything or anything smaller rather will fall down through my little... Um, like great separator thing and then you got a bunch of like powdered weed at the bottom which is supposed to be ultra concentrated i guess yeah so apparently it refers to the bulbous crystal formation on the top of the marijuana plant's resin oh, gland oh <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah it's the okay okay yeah so apparently it's easier to make cannabis oils from keef so maybe next time you want to give it a go <laughs> Do you know how much you have to grind to get enough keef to make an oil? <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of... Like a, 
I mean, we might be staying at home for a while, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I got time to grind. I don't think I have enough weed to grind enough <laughs> keef to get enough to make oil. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have any ethical things about those, but presumably you want to look at whoever is processing them. Uh, yeah, the next one. Um, so if you're going to roll joints... Um, <laughs> I, I was reading an article on, on uh, environmentally friendly joints, and the first, the first tip, which is practical but also obvious, is like don't litter your roach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it. Yeah. No, I mean, don't litter. Obviously, <laughs> but so. Some some roaches are better than others because sometimes you get a filter that's plastic and sometimes you get a filter that is biodegradable. So be aware that when you are throwing it away, you might be able to throw it in the compost. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, um, that's a good tip. Uh, the other thing is like not all rolling papers are vegan, which is a thing I didn't know. But um, oftentimes if there are animal products in your rolling papers, it'll either be through animal-based glues. Although... Um, from what I was able to read online, most rolling papers are now using plant-based glues, I think probably because there's no reason not to. Um, and then there can also be animal products present in the dyes. So depending on what, like if you're getting colorful rolling papers or something like that. So just check, check to see if your rolling papers are vegan, if that's something that matters to you. Another note that not all rolling papers are cruelty-free, but I also was not really able to find information on that beyond somebody saying that it was a concern for them. There's not, it doesn't seem to be like a list of cruelty-free versus not cruelty-free rolling papers. And I don't know what the substances are that would be tested on animals. So Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. If anyone knows more, tweet at us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can get eco-friendly rolling papers that are made of uh, hemp or rice, um, and there are a fair amount of options there. So if you like to roll a joint, get a plant-based joint and try to get one that's eco-friendly. Uh, if you vape, next one. Don't buy a disposable vape. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Um, and also make sure that you're recycling your batteries appropriately. So yeah, the other two are edibles and topicals. Um, there's not really much else on either of these beyond that packaging's a concern, you know? So that's especially true for edibles because... Um, there's a, a regulation that no more than um, 10 mg of THC can be in a package of edibles. So they tend to be in like, there's a small number that then have to be packaged. So like, it wouldn't be like, you you wouldn't have like an entire jar of like cannabis gummies or whatever, unless they were extremely low dosage. Um, so that does end up creating more packaging. It's a concern. But it's also not, it's a safety measure for people like Kristen who'd get it. And they're like, should I just eat all four gummy bears at once? And it's like, no, stop. That's 10 milligrams. That's four hits. <laughs> You've never done weed before. <laughs> yeah. And also like if a kid gets into it, they can't OD, you know. That's true. Yeah. So topicals are, um, I mean, you just, you put them on into lotions and creams and oils that aren't supposed to be ingested. They're supposed to go on your, on your skin or your hair or your nails. Um, there's not a lot known about how topical use versus ingesting works, but um, the suggestion is that it's going to impact you pretty differently. So those are a little different, but again, the ethical issues are pretty much the same, right? Like 
look at what you would have that lotion as, like, if you were just buying it as lotion, like, what are the ethical issues there? And then just add the, like, packaging concerns, and that's pretty much it for cannabis. So, anyway, the big issues, big ethical issues seem to be sort of environmental, mostly around the single-use packaging, and you can act on that by having good recycling etiquette and uh, by, you know, expressing your consumer desire for sustainability. Beyond that, try to find brands that use more environmentally farming, environmentally friendly farming methods. And uh, yeah, maybe if, if animal welfare matters to you, look for a vegan rolling paper. It'll be interesting to see how this industry grows. It's doing probably pretty well right now during the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, people have more time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been I well, and and everyone's stressed out. And for a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people become paranoid on it, but a lot of people relax. So yeah. Well, how are you feeling? Are you higher now than at the beginning of the episode? Yes, but less high than in the middle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, I I was also highest in the middle, although I'm still, you know what? I I might I might be um at the top of the curve on that one. <laughs> I don't like that analogy I just used. <laughs> I know. Not great. This is how we get canceled. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> I hope you had a great 420. We did. This was a blast. It was nice to do a fun one since the last one we did was about COVID and inequality. So we needed something <laughs> a little bit of, we needed to pick me up. <laughs> yeah, Alex was great. It was just really depressing subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you guys want to uh, add us, we're on Twitter at Pullback Podcast. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but we're probably most active on Twitter. And we're looking forward to talking to you guys soon. Yeah. <laughs> you were on such a roll. <laughs> I know. And then I started thinking about how uh, I was. Anyway, I, I started thinking <laughs> too much about how I've forgotten the last word that I wanted to say, and then I got all in my head. <laughs> all right, we'll take a moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, this was me with the dogs yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs>